Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris, alongside Justin Prince, and our producer this evening is none other than Mr. Ryan Bauer. Justin, we have had an exciting week of motorsports action across the iRacing service from Rally Car, Delara, and even throwing a little bit of Formula One racing into the mix. But we have, first off, some very special guests joining us for this episode. First and foremost, we are going to have eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying Series driver, Arkham Menard Series driver, as well as iRacing Rallycross All-Star competitor, Parker Retzlaff, joining us. Later on, we'll have the winner of the iRacing Rallycross Championship, also Tommy Hallman. And then finally, the Dynamic Force, Delara GP World Championship competitor and winner at Spa, Michele Constantini, who will be on the show as well. A star-studded lineup for tonight's episode. It's going to be very star-studded indeed, and it's been a very star-studded week in iRacing in turn when it comes to the competitiveness for many of the drivers throughout the series, but also just how some of those races have fared out. There's been a lot of buzz across iRacing as a result of some of the action, and as well in turn, that news you're referring to we'll talk about later on today. Certainly is. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. It is, of course, Parker Retzlaff, who competed in the opening round of the iRacing Rallycross World Championship All-Star Edition, where some of the biggest names in motorsports, streaming media, and even news journalism will take part to the Rallycross configuration at the World Center of Racing, Daytona International Speedway. Parker, welcome back to the iRacers Download. Let's talk about that victory at Daytona in the Rallycross. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for having me, first of all. But uh, that race, I don't race the rally car a lot, but uh, I was talking to Vicente Salas, who is a pro in Rallycross and iRacing, and he was helping me a little bit before the race, and I tried to take everything I could, and my heat race wasn't the best, and I ended up having to get a last chance. And then I just got through the field really good at the beginning of the, the feature race, and I just got away in the lead, and it was just quick enough to hold on to it. It certainly was. Talk to us a little bit about your, you said you didn't touch a whole lot in Rallycross, but what made you want to take part in this championship? I mean, I'm, I'm down to try anything and uh, just get my, just get experience in anything I can. And that seemed like fun. It's really competitive week in and week out. So it was just something fun for me to do in a really competitive series. It certainly is. And, you know, a lot of drivers came on board with this. You went up against some very strong competitors, of course, from the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. You had Malik Ray, E-NASCAR iRacing broadcaster and recorder, Justin Melillo. I mean, the list goes on. Even NHRA champion Ron Caps was involved in the list. And talk to us a little bit about going up some against these very high-profiled individuals in the world of sim racing. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all people that are really well known, and it's something that makes it really fun. I think it's more fun for the fans is just knowing that it's just so many people that a bunch of people look up to that are all just going as hard as they can to try and win a you know a sim race and just have fun while they're doing it. Certainly is, and as you look forward ahead to the rest of the season, are you planning on competing in the full schedule for this championship, or just a couple of races here and there? Uh, no, I hope to do that. Uh, I hope to race that whole season and do the whole Road to Pro and the rest of uh, our further contender series and pro. Just hope to do everything I can. 
certainly is. And of course, it was a busy day for you on that Wednesday as you competed in the ERA Bristol Fall Brawl, Brawl Series at that weekend. And tell us about how that race went for you in a very uh, interesting twist and turn of events. I mean, yeah, I mean, once again, me and Vicente put in a bunch of laps together for that. And uh, we're working together trying to get every little advantage we could on the fixed setup. So I ended up being, you know, first in practice, first in qualifying, and just tried to save and see if I could just save my tires and be there at the end. And we ended up just having a bunch of cautions, and it kind of messed up my whole strategy. And then I realized that I had to try and go and get the lead and get clean air, and ended up just kind of burning the, the tires off in Vicente just uh passed us top three or top four wherever he was and ended up just going on to win the race and all i could hold on to was third now when it comes to big events like that it of course brings a lot of prestige and we've seen you in the past when it comes to erl competition be very quick with the bump and run particular at nashville fairgrounds about a year or so ago what was kind of in turn, you mentioned the game plan, the overall feelings as that event went on for how you wanted to approach things, knowing that especially with recent developments, you now have that much tighter relationship in turn with Vicente Salas from your technical alliance side. I mean, yeah, uh, I, at the beginning of the race, I was just planning on trying to ride, and then we had Kevin having yellows, so then I ended up just falling back a couple positions on restarts and everything, just trying to save, just hoping it would go green. And then I ended up having to drive back through the field, so I went from being like, this is going to be difficult, to then I had a really good pit stop and gained three spots, and I was like, all right, now I really have a chance to win this race. And then I just, I was just a real roller coaster of emotions the whole race. Just because I knew there were so many cars that could be there to win the race, and you never knew what was going to happen. Now, keep in mind, one of the big things when it comes to some of the late-season shufflings, to say the very least, with the eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying iRacing Series is, with Vicente moving technical alliances, his spotter, David Strauss, reportedly going that direction as well. It was talked about when you came away with that race victory at Bristol Motor Speedway, the assistance with that. What's it been like now having Vicente and Donovan Strauss to add those extra resources for that side of the camp, for the rest of the Road to Pro and potentially for the Contender Series campaigns? I mean, yeah, it's been, I've been, I've talked to those guys for months and uh, we've just been on different teams and it's really cool to just get us all together. We're all, we're all really good friends and it's just good to have everyone that's so good and so dedicated to the sim just all together to try and get everyone up there on the top and up there winning races. In turn, how do you see that relationship now playing out between you guys? Because, of course, Donovan Strauss had built up that relationship amongst DSC as being able to build his own trucks and whatnot. Now, that puts essentially two of the top five or so competitors, including yourself, in that realm. What's the discussion's been like now for the final race and in turn for the contender series campaign, knowing you're in a decent point situation for it. I mean, yeah, Donnie has been a big help to the team, but we've had, we've had decent and really good trucks at some races all season. So it's just taking us to the next level. And uh, I think that everyone working together when we get to the Xfinity car and the whole pro thing is going to take it to the next level. And we should be able to do what Donnie did in this season and I've come away with, you know, winning a win in round one. So I think we should be able to do the same thing once we get the pro. 
And the main thing in turn is there's still one more race to think about. Phoenix was talking with one of your competitors who was referring to that race as a potential fuel mileage race. How would you describe Phoenix for the RTP round two finale? I mean, yeah, it all depends on how everyone, you know, shows up and wants to race that Thursday. So we could either have it be completely green and it's uh, a fuel mileage race and everything, or we can have yellows and we can make it just whoever whoever's the best truck overall and gets the most lucky. So hopefully we can go out and do what we did at Bristol and end up with another win to end up the season. But I think me and Donnie but we are already locked in, but we still have two more teammates that need to make it. It's going to be intriguing how things play out, to say the very least. A couple more questions towards your direction, Parker. We've talked about a lot of the big events with the All-Star side, with ERL competition, What's it like competing in all these big events and in some cases ones with large prize pools knowing you have a chance to win every time out or have that pressure of needing to win with all the reputation and your notoriety built up across the iRacing service and knowing there are fans who might see you in the real world watching along too. Yeah, I mean, I, I like doing all the big races. It gives, I think it's more enjoyable for me is doing, like, the big money races or just, like, big prestigious races. They're more fun to me than just, like, actual regular official races, even though I still do that from time to time because I still enjoy just racing. I just think the whole pressure and, like, how competitive it all is is just more fun to me. And, you know, you know there's so many cars that can win at any given day depending on how your day goes. So you have to be basically perfect if you want to win one of those big races. Just curious on this, Mark, what are some of the major events coming up in your schedule that you put a star next to, especially on the sim racing side, that fans should see you a month in? I mean, I'm just any of the ERA races, all the rallycross races that, you know, the imitational races, rallycross races, all that stuff. Uh, any of the road to pro or pro races. And then I think the big race uh, for the short track stuff is going to be the Snowball Derby at the end of the year. Very cool indeed. Now, Parker, also another thing is you are a competitor in the Arkham and Art Series East competition, and you currently sit in the top 10 in points right now, one top five this season. With the combination of you competing in some of these major events in the world of iRacing, plus also being a competitor in Arca, how has that brought to attention some possible future prospects to where People have taken notice of your skills and capabilities to maybe one day take that advantage to move up into a modified, a truck, or even an Xfinity car. I mean, yeah, I just race whatever I can to get my name out there, you know, try and show support to my people who support me, like, you know, Ponzi and all them who've been with me for so long. I try and just, you know, do whatever I can to get their name out there and try and get my name out there and try to just prove myself to everybody. Well, it certainly is an absolute pleasure to have you back on here, Parker. We look forward to seeing what you can do at the next round of the eNASCAR Art Road to Pro qualifying series that will be happening at Phoenix, and, and we look forward to seeing you hopefully move on into the Contender Series later on in 2021. And thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you. That is Parker Retzlaff. He is the winner of the iRacing Rallycross All-Star Invitational at Daytona 
Coming up after the break, we sit down with your winner of the Force Dynamics Delara Grand Prix World Championship. He is none other than Michele Constantini. You are listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burr with you with the producer Ryan Bauer this evening as now we turn the gears over to Circa de Spa Franco Jump, where after an intense fight, it was SDK Gaming's Michele Constantini who came away with the round two victory in the Force Dynamics Delora iRacing Grand Prix Championship. It was a race with multiple different drafting moves, strategy coming to play, and for the first time this season, drivers used medium and or soft compound tires throughout the pack for various parts of the strategies. We now welcome in the race winner for the second round in the history of the World Championship, Michele Constantini. First things first, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. How does it feel to be able to come away with such a big victory, especially for you and your organization early on in the history of this World Championship, and what in turn especially technical alliance-wise, is a 1-2-3 for Apex Racing Team and the SDK Gaming Cars. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me here. Um, and uh, yeah, it uh, really means a lot to um, not only win the race, but uh, finishing, uh, as you said, 1-2-3 for, uh, for us is uh, an extremely good result. Um, and uh, yeah, as you said, we had we had four cars joining the, the championship, but uh, yeah, the rules said we had to split um, in uh, two teams of two, uh, which which we did. We are Apex Racing Team and SDK Gaming, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're all we're all four of us are uh, working together. So yeah, basically this is a one to three for us, and it really means a lot. I think it's the first one to three for um, for the team in in its history, actually. So it's a really really historic and great result to have today. It's absolutely huge for the organization, but let's talk about the race itself because it was talked about. By somewhere in the first in particular, you wanted to make sure you saved gas because drivers can make it 12 to 14 laps on fuel. What was that strategy conundrum like for you guys today, knowing how this car plays in races draft wise and how the importance is to make sure you get that strategy right? Yeah, so basically the um, um the goal for uh, for the first couple of stint was to yeah to save fuel and make it to 13 laps if possible um otherwise 12 was was also good um but yeah making it 13 laps was a must for um for then taking mediums at the end in the last stint which is what we did um but uh, yeah the goal for the first stint was to not lead which i kind of managed to do but um yeah i found myself on pole so in the first few laps, which I had to lead, I was actually saving fuel up front, which slowed down the pace quite a bit, causing a lot of um, a lot of uh, braking in the uh, in the rear of the field, which I saw. But yeah, that's basically what I had to do at the front to save the fuel to uh, to make it to the end. So uh, yeah, the first stint was all about that uh, fuel saving, and then the last stint was all about pushing those mediums uh, to the absolute limit and uh, trying to make it to the end on those tires, which actually was quite tough at the end. Uh, they were quite um, 
there was not as much grip as we expected at the end, but it was yeah good enough to make it to the end. And it was definitely the right strategy as well to pit uh, one lap before Martin. Um, mm-hmm. That was, I think that was the main key uh, for us to get the, to get the victory today. And keep in mind when it comes to the first Grand Prix race winner in Martin Van Lusenor, you were referring to for Predator Sim Racing. Had a mistake in his pit stop sequence over ran a bit of his box and then had to go up on the jacks a second time. In terms of those tires as well, that made things intriguing with them eventually getting within three seconds. But what was that team atmosphere like during those closing stages? Because you and Johan traded the lead a couple times during those closing stages. Plus you had Ben Fuller, who came home third in the end, who was waiting the wings watching all of that. So, well, it was very calm, actually. Um, me and Jan were, were passing each other to um, try and leapfrog a bit, to try and extend the gap and go a little bit faster in the straights. Um, and Ben was sitting in third because he had, uh, I think, 15 incidence points, so he didn't want to risk anything. So he was just sitting there and bringing the car home. Um, but yeah, me and, the only rule me and Jan had was to not risk anything during the overtake. So we were just overtaking each other in the straights. Um, and uh, yeah, that turned out to be uh, yeah the best thing for the team. Um, and uh, yeah, getting the one to three. Uh, but yeah, the atmosphere was completely calm. Uh, we knew exactly what we had to do and what we didn't have to do. Um, and uh, yeah, the passing was uh, basically just leapfrogging to try and extend the gap from Martin or trying to not make him catch as much by keeping the pace up by doing that. Michele, we watched that amazing battle that you've had with your teammates there, but still the overall tenacity and battling with this Delara IR01, what was it like with being so close to your competitors for this battle? Even though, like you said, you are battling, working together with teammates, it still at some point had to be some close calls for you when trying to participate and compete. Yeah, well, the most close moments i would say were with uh with martin when when i think at the end of the first stop johan and uh and ben dropped off a second or two seconds back uh, i was trying to slow down martin a little bit to make them catch back up um so i was trying to send it on the inside a bit i was making like half moves to lose a bit of time to make them catch back up uh because 3v1 is obviously better than a 1v1 for the, for the win so uh and uh yeah also the incident with uh, with Lemonic, uh it was on lap seven i think which was yeah a big uh big net good moment moment i think there but um yeah it was it's it's really close racing out there and uh especially with the draft um it's very easy even if you are two or three four tenths of pace to uh to stay in draft and to stay with the leading group so it's extremely important to race smart instead of fast it's it's more important to um uh, to be smart in these races instead of uh, just driving the car fast, as I said. Um, So, yeah, it's just about uh, using your brain, basically. It certainly is. And explain to our listeners a little bit. We we talked to Martin the first round at Sir Watkins Glen, but explain to the viewers about, from your perspective, the car of this Dallara IR01. A lot of people always have had mixed feelings about this car, but in true honesty, it is technically a car that is developed by a well-reputable manufacturer as Delara that worked with iRacing to build this car. What makes this car so unique and different 
to be able to have a prestigious world championship, such as we see with the Force Dynamics GP World Championship? Well, it's it's a great combination of high speed high speed cornering uh, and being on the edge. Because if you look at the onboards uh, during the race, you see our wheel is always trying to catch little moments of oversteer. It's basically like this car is always on having a. Um, it's always loose. Basically, we're just trying to um, uh, to co- uh, control the oversteer with the wheel, uh, which you can really see well in the onboard. Um, so yeah, it's a car on the. Li- it's a it's a car that has to be driven on the limit to go fast. Uh, and uh, if you drive it a little too slow, you will feel even more oversteer. So to get it on the limit, it's really important to. Uh, it's really important to get it on the limit to go fast because otherwise you are even too loose, which is kind of weird to say because. If you're going slower, you would expect the car to be easier to drive, but this one is different. The faster you go, the easier it gets to drive. So you have to push a lot. But as I said, when you're in the race, you have to use your brain, uh, more importantly, and uh, be smart. So basically, there is no chance for you to take a moment to take a breather because of just so much intensity. You always have to be focused and elbows up when it comes to racing at a circuit such as Watkins Glen or Spa. Exactly that. Uh, it's either the car keeping you on the limit or the people around you because they're so close. So yeah, there's never a moment to breathe, basically. To be, to be fair, um, it was a bit easier today uh, in, the, in the first couple of stints because we had to fuel save so much. And it's actually easy to follow in this car. So fuel saving and following was quite easy, but that's, that's, that was much easier than Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen was proper tough uh, even when following. So yeah, and, and even when Martin got the lead in the first stint, uh, in the first couple of laps, I think he, he was um, he was trying to push quite a bit to try and break the draft, which he didn't manage to do. But I was struggling a bit. I was really fighting the car hard to keep it in his draft uh, when he tried to do that. So and then it worked out. It worked out for us. He didn't uh, he didn't get away. So uh, but yeah, it's uh, w- when you're following and saving fuel, it's a bit easier. But when you are uh, trying to follow someone who's on full pace. Uh, on your or you're by yourself in clean air and pushing it's yeah it's it's a complicated and hard car to drive you you mentioned the clean air how much of that dirty air that you receive from the car in front of you help or affect the overall downforce and grip of the car i would say the draft so the the slipstream you get down the straights is much more beneficial uh compared to the uh well it i would say that the, the the dirty air you get in the corners, I would I, I would say it's not enough. I, I think you would you sh- the car should have more dirty air because because of how much it actually pulls in the straights. So it's actually a little bit too easy to follow right now because and that's why you see all the trains that go back to P15 from P1. Um, that's because it's way too easy to uh, way too easy to follow at the moment. Uh, the slipstream down the straight is too much and the dirty air is not enough. Uh, but you can definitely feel it, feel the dirty air. So if there wasn't as much draft in the straight, I, I think it would kind of look like F1, which is not too much of a good thing because it's really hard to pass there. Um, but if if they try and find a balance in between the two things, I think uh, by changing the car, I think it 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 could be even better than what it is now. 
It certainly is indeed. And uh, quickly before I turn it over to my friend Justin here about it, what made you want to compete in the world of iRacing? I mean, you've been a part of this for a while, but explain how you got involved with this championship as well as with the sim of iRacing. Well, I started off by playing F1 games. Um, and then I, I started doing league races online in, F, in the F1 games, I think back in 2013, 2014. Um, and then after a couple of years of that, I wanted to get a little bit more serious. And uh, I was seeing um, videos of this, uh, of, uh, of iRacing on, on YouTube. So I was like, kind of want to try that out. So um, uh, when I was like 16, my dad uh, gifted me for Christmas uh, um, a new computer, which uh which allowed me to uh to get on iRacing uh, at the end of uh, of 2016 and uh, in during 20, 2017 I started uh yeah driving on iRacing just uh, with my G29 on my desk just uh, like everyone starts off um and then in 20 uh at the end of 2018 I qualified uh, uh for the VRS GTA Racing World Championship uh so th- with the GTE cars um, and, uh, yeah, from there I started, uh, updating my, uh, my rig and everything got a l- even more serious, joined Apex, which is one of the best teams out here. I'm really grateful for everything they do for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, just that way, basically just started off by having fun and ended up, uh, in, in this position, almost basically having, doing this as a job. Just out of curiosity now, Michele, what is your current equipment that you have now that you've upgraded a lot of that as time has gone on then? So you have a VRS uh, Direct Force Pro wheelbase. Um, I have a Formula Fanatec rim. I have Fanatec V3 pedals, um, which I'm looking to, uh, to swap out for the uh, new VRS pedals that uh, just came out. Um, and uh, my rig is a GT Omega rig. And then I have... Uh, Triple screens, 27 inch, uh, 144 hertz, which are really important if you uh, if you're wondering. Uh, 144 hertz is minimum that you need to have for uh, well, if you want to do this, this competitively, competitively, obviously. Overall, in your opinion, what upgrade in turn made the biggest difference to how you've performed since making said upgrade? Well, I would say switching from. I would say switching from G29 pedals to Fanatec V3 pedals was one of the biggest changes. And that's why I'm really looking forward to try out those new VRS pedals as well. Um, because pedals are generally, overall, uh, the biggest change you can make to a rig in terms of your performance, that is. Absolutely huge. Agree with you on that. But next round is a bit of a chasing, change of pace. It goes off towards Brazil and what will that race in turn be like for your contingency then? Because it, we've seen two tracks where draft has been big. How do you see Brazil coming into play with all this at Interlagos? Uh, I'm pretty sure Interlagos will be just about similar, if not the same. I would say it's a, it's a little bit harder to follow, if anything. Uh, at Interlagos, we raced that in Pro Series. Um, and uh, I'm expecting to see a little bit more tire strategy. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, how the tire compounds work out there. We need to test that. Uh, pretty sure it's uh, quite early in the morning. The race is 7 a.m. Uh, in same time, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see the track temps and everything like that. But generally, it should be interesting with the tire choices. 
that's going to be really intriguing indeed the tire strategy if that becomes the case now Real quickly, before we say goodbye, where can fans follow along with you in your racing career as you make your way through this world championship? Well, uh, I have, I'm have i pretty active on uh, on my Twitter, which is at Michele underscore C66, uh, or uh, in my Instagram, which is Michele Costantini 6. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's everything, I think. I don't think I use uh, much more anything else, really. Congratulations on the victory at Spa. Thank you very much. That's Michele Constantini. He drives for SDK Gaming in the Force Dynamics Dolora iRacing Grand Prix Championship. He won the second round in the series' history at Circa de Spa Franco Shop. When we come back, we'll have the opportunity to speak with one of the top drivers from the iRacing Rory Cross World Championships first round of the campaign, Tommy Holman. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. We just finished up with a great interview with Tommy Hallman. Justin, it's great to see now we are in the midst of world championship greatness. We have the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series just finishing up with their championship. The Force Dynamic Delara iRacing GP Championship is kicking off in full swing. And of course, the iRacing Rallycross World Championships have just kicked off with a huge load of excitement. And it just showcases the all-around big, explosive amount of talent that has progressed into the world of iRacing over the past few years. Absolutely, and the amount of world championships have explored almost full song in turn, keep in mind, in these past few years, because you went from a core of maybe three total world championships half a decade ago to now where you have world championships on the dirt side. You have world championships... For Rallycross, you have world championship competition for road course racing on a couple different fronts on top of being NASCAR competition. And that doesn't include the multiple big events. The growth we've hit upon multiple times throughout the history of the iRacers download has been significant. And this year continues to show that growth and in turn the importance of a lot of these races, including its support events when it comes whether to being the All-Stars or whether in some cases the drivers who are trying to qualify their way in and the importance of following their progress to the top levels. It certainly is. The only thing, in my, if I may say as an opinion on here, we, of course we do have opinions when it comes to the world of iRacing. The only thing I feel like that would make this explode even more is if we go back to another endurance world championship, kind of include the prototypes, GT cars, maybe one day in the future. I think that would kind of just set the overall capitalism, or not capitalism, the overall excitement of a world championship, and maybe also throw in IndyCar as well as to cover the vast majority of major motorsports that iRacing would have as a world championship. I agree with you on that front, absolutely, because that's the one main hole that's really seen the World Championship ranks outside of Pro Trucks as well. But you can also count all the Jim Beaver Esports events towards that realm of 
that approach. But it's just a matter of letting things continue to develop that's going to make things so critical when it comes to seeing future world championship competitions and in turn having the financial backing to support it. That's going to be the critical part is not just the user demand, but also having the backing to support the event. It certainly is. And speaking of major backing and support, iRacing earlier this week has announced probably something bigger than what we expected in a very long time, probably since the Corvette announcement, I would have to say. But iRacing and Mercedes-AMG Patronus Formula One team have pleased to announce a partnership to where they would not will just one, but two of Mercedes-AMG Formula One team's premier open-wheel cars. Of course, the first one that will be released is the W12E Performance. That's the current leader in the World Constructors Championship in Formula One. And then also the 2022 edition of the Mercedes-AMG Formula One car that will be released, which, Justin, I think out of all the news that we've seen, other than probably the next-gen car that was released on same day as announcement of the next-gen car in NASCAR, and as far as other major things, I would have to say the other ones that go along with this would have to be Corvette Racing coming on board with their Corvette C8R, and when Dirt was announced on iRacing as some of the biggest announcements that we have seen on iRacing in a very long time. I was following along with a lot of the social media reaction after seeing that, and it was from ecstaticism to elation to absolute pandemonium in terms of support. And what I mean by that is you do not expect to see that. For one, this type of a partnership between Mercedes, AMG, and their Formula One team in turn with iRacing. But two, this fills a massive hole on that front where, think of it this way. We've talked about the Delara IRL1 throughout the iRacers download. That was seen as the Grand Prix car. Now, you have a real-world Formula One car that fills that space, that adds that little layer of intrigue on how that's going to play out throughout the future. And keep in mind, there were Formula One cars in the past on the service with one from Williams. You also had one of the former McLarens on the service at one time. But the biggest layer of all that, Taylor, I think, that is going to impact the service in turn, the 2022 car. With the regulation changes, with what's changing for Formula One, for Next upcoming season, that was originally scheduled for 2021, keep in mind, before what happened in 2020. That part, to me, is the bigger one because it brings the current, brand new car to the guy racing service in its first year of its regulation changes. And that's the bigger part to me, is having that current car once that hits the track for next season in the real world. And you know what, Justin, this kind of is something that iRacing is finally starting to, in my opinion, catching up and doing. You know, for the longest time, we've always had we've always had some great content when it comes to cars and tracks on iRacing. But always it seems like we would get the newest and latest car added when a newer car takes over the regulations for a certain series. Now, we have, of course, the Gen 7 car before the start of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series. We have also the BMW M4 GT3 car 
which will debut full time around the world in competition in 2022. Just now recently announced now the Formula One car for 2022 with Mercedes. And then also, if we remember not too long ago, during the four-hour endurance race at Charlotte for benefiting Multiple Sclerosis Society, even we heard news that there is a possibility of LMDH coming to iRacing, which doesn't come out till 2023, but still showcases that they are trying to improve to where we, the play drivers, the fans, the viewers, can go out and experience these cars enjoy them as they are racing on the track at this very moment in time. So I, I have to say, I have to give iRacing a big round of applause when it comes to this. And I think that's the manufacturers in turn have to consider realizing the importance of being current in these types of simulation spaces because there's so much now on iRacing term with the improvements to the sim with its respectability worldwide with what they did in 2020 with multiple different sanctioning bodies. And here's the thing, Taylor. If you're those sanctioning bodies, do you want to run an event with a car that, while it's great on the service, obviously, is some a couple years old? Or do you want the latest and greatest so you don't have to concern yourself about that? You want the brand new car ready to go the second it hits the track in the real world, too. So you want that synergy to say, okay, let's get some drivers to race in an event with the car. Let's get some social media presence on that side. It It's just showing the importance now of needing to stay current in a very much changing world and landscape that in, in puts the importance of being there and having the now and the future in line for people to get their hands on to know what to expect. It certainly is. And it's going to be so much excitement to cover when those cars are released. They haven't been announced. So in the famous words of iRacing hashtag soon is when we'll know more information, but I have a feeling it will be pretty soon. Of course, we got to talk about some great upcoming events that are coming in the world of iRacing starting this Saturday, September 25th at 3 p.m. The Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup Contender Series kicks off as we will be seeing the possible future up and coming stars of the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup compete in the championship. A lot of great things to talk about as a new car is involved with the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup car based off the 992 model. Justin, a lot is going to be looking forward to that event. And the reason in part for the excitement is we know how things have developed with the eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying iRacing Series and in turn the Contender Series with the broadcast taking place for the past couple of years across Podium Esports. This is essentially... Now iRacing realizing the importance of showing the qualifiers because there's actually a lot of buzz to them. We've seen that buzz on the eNASCAR side, and it's now showing that crossover and in turn the format crossing over to multiple world championship series qualifications with the formula it built for the amount of hype you can build up. And in turn, here's the big part, Taylor building up the driver's brands and reputations and being able to build the credibility at a high level in a visible platform. Prior to the broadcast really taking shape in 2019-2020 in particular, 
Who can you name, Taylor, from the NASCAR Road to Pro side who won the top split race, say, 2016? Or rather, 2017 amongst the qualifiers? Uh, I could not even tell you, to be quite honest. Now, who can you name one one of the top split events in, say, round two? You can find that at the tap of your fingertips and watch along and see them win. And in turn, across the social media spaces, in some cases with some drivers, watch the reactions. And now, this is the opportunity for companies as well to jump in on that. So it adds that extra bit of pressure for teams, obviously, Taylor. But here's the thing. It also gets them ready in the cases of newer organizations to this type of format to if they make the world championship stage, they know what it takes and in turn can have the easier transition you'd have to feel compared to in the past. So this is going to be exciting, I think, Taylor, and in turn going to put a lot of importance for a lot of the drivers to say, I can get myself to the top levels of Porsche take or eSports Super Cup competition in the future. Certainly is indeed. And of course, like you said, you can catch it this Saturday at 3 p.m. on all of iRacing streaming services. And then, of course, we get ready for the final round before we get to the final four of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series. We head to the high banks of Talladega Super Speedway. Two spots have been clinched, two spots remaining. We'll find out who clinches those two spots, Justin, starting at 8.30 with the pre-race festivities, and then 9 o'clock, the race kicks off. Going to be a really intriguing time, to say the very least, how that racing fares out. Overall, a lot of excitement and a lot of pressure to get yourself clinched in amongst those drivers. Let's put it that way, Taylor. Certainly will indeed. And then, of course, the next round for the iRacing World World Rallycross Championship presented by Yokohama heads from Daytona to a little bit north to Atlanta Motor Speedway to their rallycross circuit where John Robinson, Justin, scored his first career IRX victory last season. Of course, coverage kicks off at 4 p.m. with the All-Star Invitational and then at 5 p.m. for the World Championship, which will be airing across all of iRacing's social media platforms. And one thing I got to also mention as well for them is that they don't only just stick to the iRacing, but they also have several other world-renowned sim racing channels to help cover that, such as the Finnish Sim Racing Association, Benjik Motors for the French, and then in Norwegian Sim Racing Channel for those of the Norwegians. And it shows the importance, too, of the world feed, as it's now called. For a lot of the world championship competitions, or the Dolores side, they've been doing that with some different feeds as well, we've seen. So that amount of importance is coming in to be able to reach a global audience, not just the English-speaking countries, but multiple different languages and multiple different types of cultures in turn, which increases the brand awareness as a whole and the excitement and buzz for those types of races. It certainly will be. Of course, like we said, catch it at starting at 4 p.m. on all of iRacing, as well as the world feeds for across their social media platforms. And then finally, we go back at it once again with the Force Dynamics Dolara iRacing GP World Championship. We head to beautiful Brazil at Interlagos. And Justin, from the high speeds that we saw at Watkins Glen and Spa, we now head to the tight twists and turns of Interlagos. Yes, they do have two long front and back straightaways, but it's still going to be a track where a lot of, uh, as our good friend Peter McKay would say, Argy Bargy would be happening. 
very argy-bargy, let's put it that way, especially in Sector 1 and more so Sector 3 if drivers make mistakes. But the more intriguing part to me was what we discussed with Michele Constantini is the potential of more than the simple hard, 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 or hard, hard medium come in like we've seen the first two rounds. If we see that mixture of tire compounds, that will show the true balance of strategy play and knowing in turn how things can play out. Because one of the intriguing things with the Dallara IRL one in some races is who is able to strategize on what tire compound and for when. And it brings a lot of intrigue as well in our open wheel competitions across the iRacing service. In turn, Taylor, I think if that does come to fruition, what Michele was assumptionizing or hoping to see, I hope we do see, because I think that would be a crazy race if we see, say, a driver on medium compound tires trying to hold off the softs coming from behind. Certainly is. And of course, you can catch the action starting at 3 p.m. on all of iRacing streaming services or 19 GMT for those of our European listeners who do listen. But, Justin, it's time that we conclude another episode of the iRacers download. So, for Parker Retzlap, Michele Constantini, and of course, Tommy Hallman, I am Taylor Burris. He is Justin Prince. And don't forget, we cannot thank our producer enough as well, Mr. Ryan Bauer. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.